Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Is this thing working? We on? I can see. I see you. You're there. All right. I'm here. Are you there? All right. For all of you that haven't already got onto the YouTube page here for the Outdoor Drive podcast, to watch the podcast on the video cast side, we are here on YouTube.com. So you guys are missing out on some good stuff, especially throughout this. We might show some big buck pictures. We might show some other shit. So make sure to get on over there and check it out. But this is your boy, East Coast Trev. And this is Steve. Just Steve. Just, just Steve, man. Like I said. Man, just Steve. Yeah, just Steve. Not like Outdoor Drive Steve or... Nah, man. Steve, it's just Steve. No, nah, I'm just me. I love it. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. The man with the man, the man with the radio voice. Radio voice, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not changing my name. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so how you been, bro? Good. Been fucking busy. Just trying to keep up. We've had this beautiful cold front come through. I mean. It's it's in the seventies and just kind of staying there and it's amazing. It actually feels like fall for the first time in a long time. So I, I'm jacked. I'm with that, bro. Like I was on the boat today and wore a sweatshirt. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Big bucks. <laughs> the cameras are going off. Like I, bucks coming out of velvet. I'm just all about this, dude. I'm all jacked up. Yeah, we got out. We went and walked uh, the property we turkey hunted. And went to check some cameras and see what some of the recent sign is, see how the crops looked. Uh, property itself, I'll be honest, was highly disappointing. All the crops, they just threw seed corn in pretty much everywhere. So really shuts that property down for the most part. But we got out there and it was 57 degrees. Wow. In Virginia. In Virginia. In, in the beginning September. of September. Wow. Last year, that did not happen until November. Yeah, like opening day here, October, I think it was 5th last year, we were hunting, it was 97 degrees. Jesus. I mean, it was very much like hunting South Georgia. <laughs> now, when does, when does your season ring in? So this year, uh, for the urban doe zones, I did just clarify, they opened up on Saturday, but that's to hunt like down in town in someone's backyard. Okay really not worth it dough only but the any does you do take do work towards earn a buck if you're in an earn a buck county but regular season early archery doesn't open until october 3rd so we're we ring in here september 15th and it's just wide open jeez i love it dude it's it's it's, it's one asinine. of the bonuses it's, yeah. it's it's literally in your lap yeah, I mean, we're we're looking at, you know, I'm ordering a couple of things here and there, like trying to get my last minute things. And I'm like, you know, like I need a new dump pouch for the saddle and this and that. And it's like, it's coming in on the ninth. And I'm like, holy shit, the ninth? It's already the ninth? Like, we're about to 
I mean, we're we're less than ten days here. Like things are getting <laughs> crazy, and I'm not ready, man. I'm just not ready. I mean, if you were to see the studio right now, the the table is it's got everything from all of my broadside camo that all just came in. I got my out on the limb sticks, the platform, my bow, the Zeus broadheads. Um, there's a pistol for some reason, a bunch <laughs> of Nor'easter game calls, my cameras, my backpacks. I mean, it, it literally looks like a bomb just went off in here because I'm frantically running around trying to make sure that everything's prepped and ready and I'm not ready. I, I'm going to count myself lucky because you're going to get a go out in this unprepared state of mind. And after the first few hunts, you're going to come back and go, fuck, I forgot this, or I screwed this up, or I didn't bring this. And I can go, oh, let me take a note. I better make sure I have that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's funny is I got on the phone, like, so I got the new Shakar sticks from Out on the Limb. And I, I called up a good buddy of mine, Matt, um, who's, who's, he's been good friends of mine since CT bow hunting days. And uh, he's been saddle hunting for, for a very long time. And he's been on my ass for years. He's like, Trev, you got to check out the set. I'm like, that's the gayest thing ever, bro. Like, who would ever do that? And uh, now I'm like, Matt, hey, dude, I really need your help, bro. Like, I'm trying to make a single eater, and I'm trying to – what about this daisy chain thing? And he's like, do you know how close it is to season? And and <laughs> I'm like, ah, whatever, man. Like, he's like, normally it's like a three-week turnaround on daisy chains. And I get off the phone with him, and I, that's what I'm expecting, you know, like – listen i want no one to do nothing special for me like i'm the one that messed it up like i'll run whatever and uh two hours later dude i'm passed out on the couch and my phone goes ding 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 and he's like hey how does this thing look and he literally has made up the single aider that we had talked about on the phone because i was like i want to try this i do have the mike isabel um the versa button aider from him and I, I still want it and I'm going to try it. But I was like, I kind of like had this idea. So he's literally making it out of Amsteel for me to just try and just have in the backpack. So like, it was cool to have a friend like that. That's local that kind of helped me out, you know? So if anybody kind of needs some of that stuff, um, reach out to me and I will, I'll get you in contact with them. But some oh, badass yeah. shit. I'm actually really excited. I, I'll show you, uh, I got, now that we can do this with a video podcast, I can kind of show you kind of what he came up with as far as what my stick's going to look like. So my stick is going to look like, so that's, yep. You see it? See how it's got the, yeah, the it's, bottom the there, it's got at the, the bottom with the, uh, basically it's got a piece of, we'll say rubber tubing, just to give you an idea where your foot would go to keep it solid. So you can get your foot over it. The loop won't close and it hangs right off the, the Versa button. Yeah. And the cool thing is, let me uh, turn this down a little bit so it doesn't, so you can actually really see it. See how it's got the loop on the bottom? And then he, he's got the daisy chain, so he's making the daisy chain for that also. So with this thing packed and ready to go, that's what it's going to look like. Nice. Yeah, dude, Each sweet. stick. Like, how do, how do you go wrong with that? So it's, it's cool. It's one of those other things. But it's one of those last-minute things. Like, what are you doing, Trev? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fishing. Stuck on the boat. <laughs> and I'm just like, so I, I'm just, I'm thinking big stripers, tuna, shark. I'm so pumped up. And then, I mean, I said deer season, boom. <laughs> and you all know, like, in all honesty, like the cameras are out. I've been prepping this whole entire time, but it just comes up fast. And I guess the moral of it is get ready. Not nah, now. Like 
make sure you're out there, as WCB would say, shoot your bow. Get your shit ready. Get your shit in gear. Get comfortable you, with your gear. Practice oh. with your gear. Speaking and, of gear, there it is. There, there's the new flex. Whoa. In the broadside. That's what I'm talking about, man. Took it out and worked it really good today and uh, got the lines all set and everything just how I like it. My bridge is set nice. And, man, that thing is comfortable. So, so did you go with the, the built-in bridge? Yeah, Does right it come now. with the bridge in it? Yeah, it, it comes with the one-inch nylon strap bridge with yep. the buckle on the right. So it's adjustable. I will probably change that soon and yep. just make a solid am steel bridge now that I know what distance feels good on and I can get my measurements. But for right now, I mean, it's nice. It's ready to go. Um, I'm going to show you guys something too with speaking of Amsteel and, and this, that, and the other thing and new toys. So I went over to wild edge and got to hang out with Drew for a while. And, uh, they have something new in the shop that they've been selling for a little bit. And I haven't, I've finally was able to get over there and kind of, kind of check this shit out. Uh, give me two seconds. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, Trev, you're fired. You've lost all that weight, but you're not moving any faster. Come on, dude. High knees. High knees. You're failing us miserably right now. Everyone out there on the radio is scratching their heads, wondering what the hell you're doing, why you're digging through that. You got to pick it up, dude. Oh, oh, oh. He's back. Were you, t were you talking to the people while I was gone? Yeah, I was making fun of you oh, the whole time. Oh, that's good. That's, that's what we needed. So with, with this, like, we have – this was the original, the Kong duck, right? So this is what we used to, obviously, as, you know, your Prusik knot here. We're, I was using a Kong duck, right? Well, there's the Lazy Man Prusik that these guys have come out with or have. Um, and this is right here. So this slides and all you have to do is, so it's kind of tough to kind of demonstrate. So this is going to stop like this. And then all you do is you just pull on this side and it pushes the Prusik across and then it locks in. And then you, so if you have to pull yourself up instead of that Kong duck and you can do it one handed, just lean forward and pull. Right. And it locks in. So it's, it's called a lazy man Prusik. It's actually pretty badass, and it's a new thing over at Wild Edge. It's been there for a little bit, but I was able to get over there and kind of mess around with it, and uh, I might, may or may not have ended up in my car. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, pretty badass, something, something really cool, and a lot of guys use it for their bridges also. It's something to tie on your bridges. Right. But, Scott, I will say this is that Scott has two more um, size two broadside camo um saddles also so you can get those at broadsidecamo.com there's two left in size two which is 36 inches of waist and up um, and they will ship the same day and well not if you order it at 10 o'clock at night obviously or, or on a holiday yeah but um, yeah ordered that three. and it was out he had three and now he has two <laughs> just saying am i so, am i picking up on a purchase yeah, I just had to, man. I, you know, just add to the collection. I have the Yark now, um, 
and I, I had to get the flex from, uh, from Scott from Broadside Camo to match all of my camo. See, and that's, I, that's my thing is I went with this one because it's in the broadside. It's in the closer. So as I've got the uppers and lowers on or the hoodie on, that's on. Now I'm still one solid piece that's not going to be silhouetted. I love it, man. It's totally great, dude. I, I'm so looking forward to fucking deer season this year. It's here. Yeah, for you. I got to sit and go through that first two, three week period of drilling while people are getting the early season deer down, you know, and it just, just makes you itch. And then it makes you do stupid things coming open, open a weekend. Cause you want to go so bad. And if the conditions aren't right, you tend to go, yeah, but I got to go and mm-hmm. you do stupid shit. That's right. I'll be there with you, buddy. Indeed you will. I'll be there. And We'll make sure that all works out well. Oh, we'll have fun regardless. I don't even care if we go hunting. <laughs> oh, well, well I, I won't, but you will because <laughs> I would have been hunting for almost a month by now. But now, now the biggest priority is uh, I've got one funky buck that's coming into the backyard food plot, the big time food plot that we got from the shoot. Got it all put out, and every night, about twenty minutes left of shooting light him and a a really pretty two-year-old eight point they're coming into the plot but this goofy sucker is he's main mainframe five on one side with a kicker on his g2 and his left side just goes straight out and he just has two shoots going straight into the air and uh i assume he was hit by a car because his rear right leg he just he carries it you know when he walks it just tiptoes Okay. I'm assuming he got major damage. So his left side of his rack is screwed up. His right rear leg is screwed up. You kind of get that a deer gets wounded. Mm-hmm. The horn on the opposite side gets screwed up. It's a brain thing. Yeah. Yep. So got some really cool video of him, but uh, they're in here every night. And the goal is actually to get the wife to get an arrow in him. That's what I'm talking about. So that would be a blessing to all be there when that happens. Yeah, it'll be your first archery buck, and uh, it's don't get me wrong, it's nice the way his horn grows. He's he's got to be every bit of twenty three inches wide since it doesn't curve back in; it just goes straight out. It's so cool. So, being a younger deer, it's gonna have quite the score. It's gonna be interesting. That's awesome. I hope I hope she knocks it down opening weekend when we're all there, man. That would be freaking awesome. That's the plan. I mean, I oh. sit, as soon as we get done here, I'll probably have the camera out and I'll be sitting down watching the plot and waiting for him to come back out. Uh, he's still in velvet. The eight point he's running with is fully hard horned. Wow. So still waiting to see what he looks like after it comes off. That's awesome. That's so cool. I, I really, I really, I can't wait. I hope we're all there and it all happens together, man. Maybe get it on film or whatever. Dude, that would be fucking awesome. That's the plan has get you down there and hopefully yogi makes an appearance for you and try to get that on film and try to get that buck on film and just have a lot of really good times it's going to be a trip i i just think it's cool i don't even you know like if she shoots the buck and i don't i think that that would make the weekend all in all you know for her oh, to yeah, shoot her 100%. first archery buck and everyone be together i think that's that's the important part of the camaraderie of the deer camp. 
Yeah, but see, you already know the risk, though, is if you bring the show with you, you guys just may not make it back to CT, right? I'm okay with this. <laughs> okay, it's kind just of, reiterating. It's kind of funny. Is it, so? So we were at lunch today, and I said, I said, so Michelle, I said, do you need the dates off for um for uh, Virginia? And she was like, No, I already got them. I said, Oh, what dates do you take off? She <laughs> said, The first through the seventh. I said, The what? Uh, first what through the seventh. She had to burn days off. Yeah, she did. She had to burn so. days. I was like. What are you planning on looking around for houses? Like, what are we? What's the other five days for? <laughs> because she knows what happened at turkey season. Yeah, this is true. This hey, is we're, we're going to be down there for four days, and that turned into a nine-day excursion. Yeah, I <laughs> so guess that's the truth. She's preparing. Yeah. Well, we should probably thank the sponsors who make all of this possible for us. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and run through them. Luckily, we've been able to. Uh, I thought you were, bro. Tap on a few. Oh, no, there's all you, man. You got this. Actually, you know what? Honestly, I would first, I got a couple of things to say first before we get kind of crazy and carried away, because if not, I'll forget about them. Well, just Uh, take it easy on me. Okay. No, first off, I just want to let everyone know that with the video podcast thing, um, it may or may not be out right on Tuesday. It could be Wednesday. It could be as late as Thursday. Uh, just because there's a lot of work and Steven, you know, puts everything that he can into it to make sure that everything is perfect. And it might take a little bit of time to put everything together. It's a little bit harder um, than just the first day. Normally we record and then we drop it that night. Um, so for the video podcast thing and putting all that stuff together, um, Steven works very diligently to get everything done, but it takes a little bit of time and upload and everything and kind of piecing everything together. So sometimes it might take a little bit more than, um, than we think. But we will try to get that up as quick as possible. Yeah. Hopefully in sync. But ultimately, it comes down to anyone who's ever tried to upload large media files to YouTube, you know, it's not an easy process. So, so we'll try and have everything on our normal Tuesday base. If it's not Tuesday, it'll be there on Wednesday. Um, we will make sure 100% that there's a podcast every single week, no matter what. Um, also, while you're on there, please do us one favor, guys. And that is subscribe to our YouTube page um, and and just tell everybody about it that the video cast is on the YouTube page. Um, subscribe to that. Um, or if you're on the audio side and you guys are listening to it through Apple, um, just give us a five-star review. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated because that's what gets the word out to everybody else so we can kind of spread the word and everybody else can listen to us talk about fucking absolute gibberish nothing. <laughs> so that would be good. Um, and on Steven's behalf, uh, we'd like to take a moment of silence uh, and say a little something for uh, for some of your friends. And, I appreciate and lost, that. Lost, uh, so, yeah, quick story, and you guys might have seen the post. Uh, a good friend of mine growing up, Cody Rosania, uh, he died in a airplane collision. They were coming into land as a plane was taking off. They're not sure the details, whatever. It's under investigation, but he did pass away. Uh, however, in true Cody fashion, he did it probably in a way that any of us could have wished for. Uh, he was on a basically a trophy caribou hunt. Him and all three members of the team he was with all managed to kill giant bulls, and they were flying back into Fairfax to return to the States to their guide service in Arizona. So thoughts and prayers go out to the Rosanya family, and also one of the other members of his crew did survive. He is in critical condition with burns. Um, 
So keep him in your prayers, and uh, we'll just see how that goes. And to carry forward on another note, a good friend of ours, a partner at one of our hunting properties, uh, is basically, we got a call the other day that he's on his bed. Uh, he made his last phone calls. They put him on a morphine drip. He's stage four terminal cancer. He's been fighting it for five years and put up a good fight. So just thoughts and prayers out to the Milliman family. And uh, Dan, just want to say I appreciate everything you did and brought me into. It's meant a lot. Definitely. We'll just take a moment of silence for him. Thank you. So uh, when when a brother in arms, well, and the hunting arms goes down, and we, we all got to kind of stick together with it and send out our prayers to everybody because it, you know, it is, it is, everybody is a family here in the hunting community. Um, and it's, it's never easy. So it's just, yeah, it's a sad moment. But um, as far as that goes, let's, uh, let's thank the sponsors and let's get to it. Have at it, brother. All right, let's do it. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you were doing it. Thought thought he had to fart, but he shit his pants. So oh, get on okay. with it. All right now. <laughs> um, for you guys that haven't already, get over to nor'eastergamecalls.com. Check out Marky Mark. We still have a ton of um, grunt tubes. If you guys haven't seen them yet, check them out. They're right here. I got them in my hand. Nor'eastergamecalls.com. The cool thing, we have the slide. We can go from the fawn to the grunt. Ooh, that's a little too much. <laughs> no, use the call. <laughs> Go all the way from the fawn, and with a quick slide. So, that's one of the best things ever. Um, we have the Evolution series, which has all kinds of crazy shit in it. You can get it with beech nuts, you can get it with walnuts, we can get it with acorn caps, you can get it with feathers, you can get it with knocks, you can get it anything you could possibly think that you can put inside of something. <laughs> Never mind. You can put inside of a game call. Then you can get it at noracergamecalls.com. Uh, <laughs> Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> Way to um, stop. <laughs> Wild, Wild Edge Inc., the leader in mobile hunting. Um, as I was showing earlier, the, um, your aiders, your naders, your linesmen, your lazy man prusiks, your perch, your perch hybrid, um, which is soon to hit the market here. Hopefully, uh, we'll have a little podcast on that to release that. So check them out, wildedgeinc.com, and uh, get your steps. Um, broadside camo broadsidecamo.com um the photorealism the 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 camo for the aerial hunter um this shit is the most badass stuff on the market no questions asked his ascender series is by far the coolest camo ever um we have a video here on our youtube page that you guys can check out if you want to see what that thing's all about um as far as the photorealism and the warmth it's incredible um just released the new Closer series uh, hoodie, a set, well, it's kind of like a sender, but it, it's a it's a it's an ascender a sender hoodie. style in closer camo. I think Correct. is the best way to put it. Um, it's badass. It's actually thicker than I thought that it would be, and it was probably going to be warmer than I thought um, as far as the sweatshirt goes. But check them out, broadsidecamo.com. Use promo code Outdoor Drive on that one. Save yourself some, and uh, check them the fuck out and like i said there's two two size two saddles left if you guys want to get into saddle hunting first same day shipping check them out send it out there it is it's right there in the corner uh dnm custom arrows dmcustomarrows.com um where'd you put it 
I got it right here. It's on the the. Oh, it was behind the computer. I, I forgot. <laughs> it's behind the computer. Check that thing out. And make an only, art that kills things. I know. Look at this broadhead. <laughs> he actually uses that. It's pretty badass. Um, as to go along with uh, D and M custom arrows. So it's D and M, or it's D M arrows. D M arrows. Yeah. Um, he actually just released his um sweatshirt shirts hoodies also so you can get those off his website which is pretty badass he's got a three arrow one that i just ordered just saying but uh <laughs> check him out um out on the limb it's out on the limb mfg.com for your shikar sticks for your ridge runner for your podium um your reach arm uh camera you name it he sells it tree stands um all custom if he don't fab it already. He will fab it for you. Um, go and check him out. Out on the limb. MFG.com. Matt Garris is, is, is the man. There's the man. nobody cooler than Matt Garris. Um, speaking of, if everybody, speaking of prayers, um, another brother in need, if everyone could say a prayer for um, Matt Garris's father-in-law, um, who's not doing all that well um, because of he, he got – I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know he's he's going through some some stuff. So if you guys can just send a prayer for Matt and his family, that would be great. We appreciate it. Um rackridge.com, the apparel superstore. Go to for outdoor style. If you guys haven't checked it out, <laughs> what are you giggling <laughs> about, bro? <laughs> Nothing, man. You good? You're I was good. trying to read. I was trying to read. I and could talk tell. At the same time, I don't. I don't do neither of those things: talk or read. So, <laughs> the two of them together is never good. Did you forget to write it in crayon? Uh, no, or did I'm you not, eat the crayon? No, <laughs> I got a lot of friends who eat the crayons. I'm not. I'm not a crayon eater. So, <laughs> rackrage.com. Go and check them out. They got a new badass one. It's got a European mount on it. It says Rack Rage with a European mount in the middle. Uh, it was actually his buck that he shot in Pennsylvania. So pretty cool shit. Uh, and it has male and female um, apparel there at rackrage.com. So thanks, guys. I appreciate everybody who partners with us and uh, supports the podcast. Definitely. Well, I think there's uh, something incoming. You want to do me a favor and uh, turn it up? Hold on. Like this? That sounds like today's news for the cruise. Take it away, Mike. Hey, everyone. Mike here with some news for your cruise. We started this all off in Minnesota, where the DNR has made some changes for the 2020 firearms deer season. Changes are stemming from uh, the ongoing battle with CWD and the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, sampling for CWD will be voluntary this year for hunters um, submitting samples to unstaffed stations. Uh, those hunting in disease management zones can and are encouraged to drop off deer heads of deer age one year older to help the DNR monitor the spread of CWD. Uh, additionally, there has been four management control and surveillance areas added this year, which brings a total to seven areas. Uh, and areas and units can be found on the DNR website. Um, there's also a mandatory carcass movement restrictions in place in all management control zones, which has been in place previously. 
Uh, those restrictions don't allow deer carcasses to be removed from the zones until a not-detected test result for CWD is received. What this means for this year with voluntary submission of samples is that hunters who choose not to submit samples for testing must debone and quarter their deer in order to transport it. Uh, the DNR has also expanded the ban on deer feeding and attractants to include Dakota, Hennepin, Ramsey, Rice, Scott, and Washington counties. Uh, also, Minnesota's DNR this year will be holding two public auctions on confiscated hunting, fishing, and trapping equipment this fall. Uh, the auctions will be held online on September 19th and October 24th. Bidding catalogs will be available um, in advance of each auction on September 15th and October 20th. And there will be <clears throat> on-site equipment inspection available uh, at the Hiller Auction Service in Zimmerman from 10 to 4 on the Friday before each of the auctions. Uh, some of the equipment includes uh, 501 firearms, 71 bows, and a variety of other <clears throat> equipment. Uh, now, there was, I didn't see any information on, on uh, specifics for anyone out of state that would be interested in um, participating in the auction, so you might need to contact DNR for logistics on that. So now off to uh, Alabama and another state joining the trend for um, adult hunting mentorship. The Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources Division of Wildlife and uh, Freshwater Fisheries has created an adult mentored hunting program. Uh, the goals are to educate about consumptive outdoor recreation, the wild game on the dinner table, and potentially revive or initiate that family tradition. Uh, to be eligible to attend a three-day adult mentor hunt for deer or turkey, uh, participants must be at least 19 years old, have a valid driver's license, and be new to hunting or have limited hunting experience. Uh, participants must also attend at least one day-long adult mentored hunt workshop. Uh, after attending a workshop, participants will be notified by email if they have been randomly selected to participate in the hunt. Uh, the workshops will take place throughout the state this fall and will teach about uh, hunting basics, firearm safety, uh, and handling, where to hunt, and equipment and gear needed. <coughs> the workshops will conclude with a small game hunt, and the necessary gear and equipment will be provided to the participants at no cost of those workshops. Um, the first workshop will be at uh, Otago Wildlife Management Area on October 3rd, and this one will focus uh, on hunting deer with archery equipment. Uh, there will be a $20 registration fee for the workshops, and on -leg online registration is open at OutdoorAlabama.com. So awesome that another state is getting on board uh, with these mentorship programs. We've seen a few of them this year. So. Now off to Utah, where the Division of Wildlife Resources is proposing changes to some fishing regulations and looking for public feedback. Recommendations include clarifying the statewide cooking salmon limit to four fish, including any trout caught, uh, decreasing the statewide wiper limit from six fish to three, uh, and increasing the statewide limit from northern pike from six to 20 fish with one over uh, 36 inches. Uh, also allowing anglers to use bait without a hook to fish for crayfish in water bodies where bait is prohibited. Uh, these are all statewide changes. There are also a number of changes proposed for specific water bodies. Uh, and additionally, uh, the DWR is proposing changes to the following, to the fishing contest rule, 
which would remove the differences in context for warm water and cold water species, and removing a requirement to obtain a certificate of registration for catching the lease tournaments. Lastly, uh, they're proposing a rule amendment to waive uh, combination and hunting license fees for deployed military. Uh, public comments can be submitted uh, to the Utah Wildlife Board meeting until September 27th at midnight. <clears throat> the public can also watch the board meeting on October 1st through a live stream, but comments will not be uh, taken at that time. So if you take a look through and have any comments, submit them before the 27th of September. So fishing rep records uh, continue to be toppled. Uh, we've had a few uh, that I've reported on recently. Uh, now we get into South Carolina, uh, which has announced three new state saltwater records. Uh, the first one was Lily Turklin landing a 28-pound, 0.8-ounce skipjack tuna near Sullivan Island. Uh, the second is Christopher Corgill, uh, who caught a 35-pound, 12.8-ounce snowy grouper out of Goat Island. And David Lowe, who caught a 27-pound, 12.8-ounce golden tilefish out of Merle's Inlet. And then in Connecticut, here, uh, Leslie Slater tied the 40-year-old state northern pike record with a 29-pound, 46-inch pike. So congrats to all those anglers. Uh, lastly, we're going to head back to Vermont, uh, another follow-up on their new Learn to Hunt program. Uh, their meetup took place recently at Green Mountain Conservation Camp at Buck Lake. Uh, the meetup included eight mentors and 15 mentees, all ranging from 18 to 65 years old and three being female hunters. Um, seems like a successful first go for Vermont, and hopefully we will hear reports on how the mentees fare during their mentored hunts in October. Uh, so with that, if you have any news to send along, be much appreciated. Hit me up on Facebook, Mike Salter, or on Instagram, uh, bearded underscore bowhunter21. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate it, buddy. And uh, good luck this season. You crazy fucking savage. <laughs> He's got them lined up, that's for sure. That's what it's all about. Mikey's, thank you, man. You're always going above and beyond for the news for your cruise. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have cool shit like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cool shit and cool people, um, very passionate brother in uh, the hunting industry, uh, Ryan Higgins. I can't wait to have him on. Oh, that's fun, man. This, this one goes down 20 different back roads and covers pretty much every other topic you could imagine. Um, you name it, he's kind of done it. And not just on a, hey, I went and did it with a buddy or a guide type level. He takes his shit seriously. So it's a fun ride. Or fly. You're right. He, he's taking the outdoor uh, flight. Flight. Yeah. I, I like it. Let, let's, uh, I guess we'll just roll off into this. And for those that have gotten the new Button Doe Club t-shirt, please tag us in it. I want to see you wearing it. <laughs> Will do. Saying. That being said, let's get right into this. Stack, stack, stack. 
All right, we're back on the phone with Ryan Higgins. What's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? How are you? Yeah, same old, same old. Yeah. How yeah, hot's what? it there? You look, you look like you're sweating over there. It's hot. It's uh like the real feels like 103 down here today. I'm in extreme southwest Georgia, 20 minutes from Florida, 30 minutes from Alabama. It's hot, humid. Just another September day. <laughs> Why don't we kick this drive in? Uh, into overdrive why don't you uh tell everyone who you are man where you're from and and what you do all right uh for those of you that don't know me um i'm ryan higgins um most folks i know me from the predator hunting world um i'm with uh mfk game calls uh that tory cook has um we're a coyote hunting company um primarily i mean we, we do all predators but our focus is coyotes uh coyote vocalizations um Two years ago, I won the Eastern United States Predator Column Championship, which is essentially the Super Bowl, the Predator Hunting World. There were 154 teams in it the year that I won it. Um, you can hunt anywhere east of the Mississippi and south of Canada. Um, so we won that. Last year, I wasn't able to hunt it. My partner was able to win it again. Um, so we're the only team that's had it back-to-back -back years ever in the history of it. Um, we do a lot of coyote hunting. I deer hunt. I turkey hunt. I used to do a lot of duck hunt. I do a little bit of it all, but uh, I guess if I had to say my best trade would be predator hunting stuff, probably where the few people that do know me might know me from. Where did, where did it all start for you, man? Like, how, how did this all kick off and you kind of get into the whole, you know, hunting in, in general? Well, hunting in general started for me before I can remember it. Um, my dad, my grandfather were watermen on the coast their whole life um duck hunted on the gulf coast religiously i mean they had a 60 day season they shot 53 to 55 days a year um did some commercial fishing did a bunch of tournament fishing so i grew up on the water grew up duck hunting um my dad deer hunted a little bit uh shot a couple of does each year to fill the freezer i still think to this day the biggest deer he's ever killed was two-year-old six point and it was a booner in his eyes <laughs> um so nice. i've grown up around it used to fish a bunch of tournaments when i was young with my dad um like largemouth like bass fishing tournaments no um red fishing trout tournaments uh speckled trout down on the oh. coast um my dad is he's one of those guys that can figure out a pattern how to catch fish in a road ditch and he'll catch every fish that could be living in that road ditch so i, I was very blessed i grew up around the best outdoorsman I've ever seen. Um, he didn't do a lot of the stuff that I do now, but just in general, being a good outdoorsman, I was blessed to have a great dad, a great grandfather that did that. So I've had no choice but to grow up in it. Um, shot my first duck when I was six, first deer when I was eight. Didn't kill my first turkey till I was 14, but that took over like a wildfire for quite some time and i still love those things. there's something about turkey yes sir um, but the predator hunting stuff it kind of started as a fluke um i've got two buddies that are going to watch this and they're going to laugh because they know exactly where it started um one of them's a friend of mine from kansas and the other one's a friend here in georgia both of them begged me to go coyote hunting all through my later years in high school through college they have no interest to go coyote hunting i mean i was a duck hunter 
that's what I wanted to do. That's all I cared about. Um, finally, I let a fellow, let one of those two guys drag me coyote hunting one night. We went night hunting in Georgia. And we were hunting with red lights at the time. Um, and he put on baby cottontail from Fox Pro, and it hadn't been playing for about three minutes. Here comes a pair of coyotes coming across the field. And the dumbest thing in the world quickly turned into the biggest drilling rush I had ever had. Um, they ran right up in there. Uh, one of them tripped over to call when she caught our wind trying to bail out. I emptied a gun on them, did not cut a hair. Um, and the very next night, I went out and bought a rifle, bought a light, bought a Fox Pro, bought tripods, and just become obsessed with it. Took me six more months to kill another coyote. Um, but then when I did, it started clicking and falling in and eventually got pretty good at it. Um, that's kind of how the coyote hunting stuff started for me. It started about seven years ago. You were talking about how it clicked. Like, so what, it, what kind of entails on the whole coyote, the coyote hunting thing? You know, like, obviously, is it like a deer hunting thing? Like the nah. sense, the, you know, like where, where completely opposite <laughs> it's completely opposite so when i started coyote hunting i had my scent lock suit i had my spray down stuff um that i deer hunt with um i was parking the truck and walking a half mile in to make these sets granted we're hunting at night um and i was treating them like whitetails i'd sit there and i'd turn the call on little off and on back and forth trying to sound in my mind as natural and realistic as i could and I never saw any coyotes, ever. Like, we went like 40 nights in a row without seeing anything. Um, but with that first pair that I saw, the first set, I had to figure it out. They are a completely different ball game. They're the smartest thing in our woods, um, at least down here in the southeast. They're make, they make a big whitetail look like Mickey Mouse. Um, even a five, six-year-old deer, don't get me wrong, he's really intelligent in his own sense. But he makes a lot of mistakes coyote doesn't make. Um, coyote makes one mistake. If you don't kill him on that time, you got a real hard time catching back up to him to kill him again or to get him to mess up again. Um, but what I'm talking about is I figured out that the key to coyote hunting is covering as much land in a night as you possibly can. Like We've got several hundred thousand acres of access down here that we coyote hunt. Um, you're never going to beat his nose ever. I don't care what you do. You have to figure out which way the wind's coming from. Just accept that if he gets on that side of you, he's going to smell you every single time. No matter what you do, scent blocker doesn't help. Um, none of that stuff helps. I mean, we smoke on, like I smoke cigarettes and I smoke on stand now just because I figured out it doesn't matter whether I'm smoking or whether I'm wearing a carbon suit, he's going to smell me. The key is you got to kill him before he gets to that wind. Um, and there's going to be some people that watch this and say, oh, I called one in last week. And he comes straight up downwind. Yeah, you found a dumb one. It's probably that year, and he hadn't figured <laughs> his nose out yet. Everything, I mean, even a 180 whitetail, he makes a mistake sometimes. But as a whole, if he hits your downwind scent cone, you're not going to have more than two or three seconds to kill him. And he, if he ever gets a snout full of you, you won't call him back into that same spot again. He's never going to come back around. Uh, they're killable. They're not completely impossible, but, I mean, dude, they, like a white tail, he smells you. He stomps, he blows, he throws his tail up. He looks at you real hard and tries to make you move. Guy who smells you leaves. 
Um, and even that deer might come back through a week later when he's got something else on his mind, he might come back through and forget that tree that had the boogeyman in it last week. And I don't care if you call that coyote in in July, he ain't going to do it again in January in the same spot. You might kill him half mile away, but he won't do it right there again. So what do you think is like the best time to kill a coyote? Like what time, what time of the year? What? That, that all varies um, on regions. Um, my favorite time of the year to kill them is late November through mid-January. The pups have been kicked out. They're on their own. They're learning to hunt. Um, they've already been out for a while at that point. But your breeding season hasn't started yet either. So that little two-month time frame there is just a free-for-all of they want to eat. And that's really the only thing on their mind at that time is eating. And if you get a cold night, once again, I, I exclusively night hunt. Um, I very rarely day hunt. We do it all with thermal at night. Um, but if you get, I don't want a frigid cold night, but let's say second week in December, 40 degrees, clear. And I want some wind. I don't, I figured out those calm nights, you don't kill them. They're, they like to have something to work into. Um, but Five, 10 mile an hour wind out of any direction, doesn't matter. Just some sort of wind, clear, cold, you, you can really kill them. Uh, the best night we had um, that I was personally on, me and my partner killed 17 in three hours um, two Decembers ago. Him and Colt Minton, another one of my teammates of MFK, um, he hunted my place in Eastern this year. They killed 19. They killed 21 the first night, but they were covered 19 in a night on one of those same kind of nights I'm talking about. So if you do it right and they're hungry, it can be real fun. Jeez. I couldn't even imagine, dude. Like, so, so, so take me through like a hunt, like what it's like. Cause I've, I've never really coyote hunted. And I think maybe there's a lot of people that out there that haven't done it to that caliber of like what it takes. So like, as far as like, what are you doing when you get in there and like, like call sequences, do you mouth calling? Are you using electric call? Like what do, what do you, what's your like go-to? Okay. Um, so we're going to pull up um, in the middle of a center irrigated field down here in South Georgia. They have pivots in them. But 95% of the fields down here are in circles. They have a pivot point. Most times at the highest point of the field in the very center, the irrigation walks around it. So essentially you've got a 200 acre circle there and each corner of it, there's a block of woods, like a little slice of pie, there's a block of woods. Coyotes generally live in those woods or they're gonna be out in that waterway in that field. So I'll pull up to that center point in the pivot, get out, guns go on tripods. This is where I blow a lot of people's minds. They think that I'm full of shit, but I walk to the front of my truck, I sit my ass on the, br on the brush guard and I hunt right there. Um, now we're hunting at night, so I got my thermal scanner up, I'm looking the whole time. I'm generally, um, if, if it's one of the nights the coyotes are calling the way I want to call them, my favorite way to do it is I love coyote vocalizations. I'm going to grab an MFK diaphragm, um, and I'm going to rip off a big lone male howl, give it 30, 40 seconds. I'll howl again. I'll probably answer it with a female howl. And then I'll wait a minute, have two minutes. If they answer, great. Um, that when you start playing chess it's like turkey on then he's vocal you talk back to him if they don't answer i don't worry about it but if they answer i'm gonna challenge howling back uh real snobby fast barks howling hey man i'm here 
don't you dare come over here is what I'm saying to him. And they're dogs, so of course they're going to come over there and fight. <laughs> but if he doesn't howl back, I'm going to turn on a rabbit and we'll let it play for four or five minutes, just um, relatively high volume, let it rip. Um, we're scanning. Here comes a set of coyotes from the right-hand side. They're going to come up in there. As they're coming up, I'm cranking that call just down, 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 basically. I got a teaser back there, and there's billfish up bumping it, and I'm pulling the teaser out and pitching the bait. So I'm going to pull him on up in there, 150 yards. I'm going to cut the call pretty much off. Once he breaks 150, 100 yards, I'll check him up whenever I want to. Then I'll bark at him, or I may lip squeak or something. They'll check up. Hopefully, shoot and kill him. On to the next set. But so if he's not there, our rule of thumb on a contest night from the time I turn my call on, he has. 15 minutes to get there. If he's not there at 14 minutes and 59 seconds, the call goes off. We're in the truck. We're a mile down the road. Next spot. I want to make a warm minimum of 25 sets a night. Um, if I'm contest hunting, I would prefer to make 32 to 35 sets in a night, which means you have to have a lot of land. You have to have a lot of land close together. And you have to know how to run it. Um, but so that that's pretty much the key to it is don't sit there if you've only got one farm sure a lot of guys are just starting out only have one place to hunt set you up a little bench or something to shoot him on and if i just had a place like that to hunt as soon as i got there i'd probably howl see if anything answered relatively close um, if nothing answered close you've got one set the wife's nagging at home. You don't want to go back immediately. So that 15 minute thing's not going to work for you. Um, <laughs> you're trying to stay an hour, hour and a half and at least, at least make it worth leaving. Um, if nothing answered on that set, I'd start put, turn some mouse squeaks on, leave them on for like six to eight minutes while you're checking your phone, whatever you're doing, let that thing mouse squeak in constantly scanning the whole time, either with thermal or with the light trying to pick up eyes. Um, if they didn't come to that, I'd get a little more aggressive. I'd turn on some, a bird in distress or a rabbit in distress, something louder that, because in theory, if you howled, he didn't answer, you turn on mouth squeaks in case something's within two to 300 yards of your shot. You don't want to blow him out with a real loud jackrabbit just screaming at him out of nowhere. So you got that mouse played through, turn on a rabbit, let it run for five, 10 minutes, cut it off sit there for five or 10 more minutes, turn some puppy stress on. And like I said, if you're really wanting to stretch that set out, you can, you can stretch that out an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And I'm not saying if he's not there by 15 minutes, he's not coming. It's just in a contest. I, I don't have time to sit there and beg him to come. I've got to run, run, run down the line. So like I said, if we, we've killed a lockout hour, hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes into a set where we're bobcat hunting. Um, so they will come that late. Um, they're they're smart they're intelligent critters but they're not impossible to kill especially if you've got land that's never called or if you only call it once or twice a year you can kill them that way that's awesome so what do you think the significance or the plus to predator hunting is like a lot of these deer hunters you know with the oh. whole predator hunting like are you gonna blow a deer set if a coyote runs through absolutely not um <laughs> i i cannot tell you i cannot tell you how many thousands of deer i have watched in the field 
in the middle of the night and I'm sitting there just ripping off coyote house. And yet if they're really close, they're going to pick their head up and they're going to look and they might scurry 200 yards, maybe. 90% of them pick their head up and look and realize, huh, well, he's not coming after me, so I'm going to go back eating. And we'll call them in on coyote fight sounds and deer still out there eating 200 yards away. Heaven forbid we don't shoot right the first time and we empty a gun. A lot of times the deer barely scurry like three or 400 yards away and standing there looking at what all the noise is. It does not affect deer in the slightest bit whatsoever. Um, I've had that argument with a lot of people over the years, a lot of landowners. This deer season don't hunt my place. And that's great. If you don't want me to, I won't. But it does not bother those deer at all. Does not bother them. I had a place that I was hunting um, two years ago and it had probably 150 inch mainframe 10 on this field. And I was shooting hogs off it. Uh, he was in there every single night. And I was shooting his hogs three, four nights a week, shooting coyote off it. He could have gave a shit less that I was there. He'd get out of my way, but he never would. I would, I would empty a full mag on a group of hogs in a field and he would never get out of the field. As long as you're not directly screwing with him, they don't care. Um, it just, it does not mess your deer up. Don't let anybody tell you that. If they do, if you believe that, that's great and dandy. I don't. I would tell you you're full of shit, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother. <laughs> well, you're watching it firsthand, man. <laughs> so, right. Right. In theory, yeah, it makes sense that sure, coyotes are howling, deer hate coyotes. So I, I'm that guy, and I should probably not say this because I'm shooting myself in the foot with a lot of land, probably if any of them listen to this, but. I'm one of the best coyote hunters in, in my area. I kill more coyotes than anybody I know. That's not me being arrogant. That's a fact. I can't tell you that even my properties that I've killed hundreds off of, I can't tell you that I've noticed a decline in population of them. And I can't say that I truly think there's any volume to the predator control without mass trapping or poisoning. I think it helps. I mean, every coyote you kill absolutely helps. He, that particular coyote will not eat eating fawns anymore. But at least down here in South Georgia, I've got a feel that we kill, we go to eight times a year, we'll kill a pair off at every time we're there. That's 16 coyotes. A coyote packs generally only four, five, six of them in like a family, and that's a pretty good group of them. Most times it's a pair that live together. They sound like a lot more when they get to howling, but I mean, that's like so one field, kill 16 coyotes off of a year. I can go to it once a month and I'll kill a pair off it, and they always come from the same corner for the most part. I don't really think we're killing, I don't think we can kill enough of them to where it really matters. Um, hogs are the same way. Uh, we're we're infested with them bastards down here. We'll never, ever, ever get that under control. There's no way we'll ever catch it now. What is it? So, so what's up with the hogs? Like, so I, we, obviously I don't, I don't have a clue. So yeah. explain, explain this to us kind of like what, what's up. Cause everyone talks about it, you know, like it's such talked about thing, but no, a lot of people don't do yeah. it. So we, got feral hogs. Uh, we do a lot of feral hog hunting down here. Um, Actually, me and Chris own a thermal outfitting business. We guide hogs and coyote hunts. Um, Swiga Predator Adventures is the name. Um, but we, we've got feral hogs down here in South Georgia and the whole state. But the problem with them is they 
cause billions of dollars worth of agricultural damage a year, millions per state, billions across the country. Um, might even be more than that. It's an astronomical amount. But so a hog can breed on the right year. She can breed up three times a year um, and have drop litters in the ground up three times a year. Each of those litters is going to be eight to 15 pigs on average. So you're talking about one pig hypothetically producing close to 50 pigs per year. And those pigs come out in these fields at night, are peanuts, are corn, are cotton. And they're like heat-seeking missiles with their noses. Like they do not miss a seed that's in the ground. During planting season, they'll, they'll damn near follow the tractor across the field. Tractor gets out of the field, pigs come out, they find that row, they'll go down that corn, they'll eat every single kernel down that row. He'll get to the end of it, he'll hit a U-turn, he'll come back down it again, and he'll eat till they're gorged. And they'll do it every single night. And that's one pig. Put 25 to 30. We've seen 70 to 80 in groups in a field before. They will eat 10, 50. You put a group of hogs, let's say an average group of 10 to 15 hogs, they will easily eat five acres of crop a night. Easily. Um, and if you're relatively familiar with farming, you understand that it's super expensive. Yeah, farmers make a lot of money, but they have a tremendous amount of overhead into it to make that money. And it's a never-ending battle with them. Um, we can hunt them 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. In the state of Georgia, you can legitimately, if you can get the appropriate stamp from the ATF, you can shoot them with a grenade launcher. There's no holds bars on hogs. Uh, that's how bad we've gotten with them. Um, Georgia's a relatively regulated state when it comes to hunting, not quite like up north, but um, <laughs> they have taken the gloves off and let us hog hunt. As long as you're not just doing something completely and utterly jackassish, it's probably legal. Um, and they're never going anywhere. There's so, so, so many of them. Um, we didn't hit them hard this year with new job, kids, all this good stuff. I haven't been able to hunt near the way I normally would. But last year from May, and this is in 19, from May uh, 1st until July 5th, I killed 840. Jesus. That was running clients with people that could not shoot. Um, there, I had some good clients. I had some bad clients. As far as shooting-wise, everyone was fun. I, I've been very blessed. I got a great group of guys that come down to hunt. But. So that's 840 hogs with somebody that averages 30% contact with their bullets. Um, you get a couple guys that can really shoot, it'd have been nothing to kill 1,500 hogs last year, and we didn't touch them. Did not touch them. Can go back to those fields this year. We've got one field in particular we killed 350 pigs off of. A week after I left it, they're back in there every single time. Jeez. Uh, so what is a night of hog hunting – into like entail so the way we do it um let's say you're to book a hunt you come down i'm gonna come pick you up from the hotel um right at dark we're gonna get in the truck we're gonna ride we've got a couple hundred thousand acres of ground we look after we're gonna ride down the blacktop down the dirt roads from every one of my fields you have access to we're gonna pull into the gate scan it if there's a group of pigs in it we're gonna get out um get in a single file line get the guns and everything get in a single file line we'll walk out to them on the downwind side of them, obviously. Um, we'll walk up, we'll get, I'd like to be within 100, not much closer than 50, but between 50 and 100 yards is where I like to get on the initial shot. 
We'll walk single file to them. When we get where I want to, we'll fan out and align shoulder to shoulder so you can't turn, but so far, you're not turning around shooting the guy next to you. You're going to pick the hogs on the left. I'm going to pick the hogs on the right. Put it right up on his neck. Three, two, one. Hopefully the guns go off simultaneously. Three pigs drop. And then they take off running across the field. And as long as there's no cattle or anything negative in the background, um, like most of the time down here is big plantation pines for hundreds of acres, you'd have to try really, really freaking hard to weave a bullet through there. So as long as there's nothing bad behind them, we're going to continue to shoot them all the way across the field and hopefully kill the entire group by the time they hit the wood line. And then depending on which farmer it is, we're either going to drag those hogs to the edge of the woods and leave them there, or we're going to load them up in the truck and we're going to drive down the road. We're going to do it again and again and again all night long. That's crazy. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. And I've done it a thousand times and it's still just as good as the first time. Every time I do it. <laughs> I bet. So it's a good they don't mind that you walk right up on them like that? They don't even... If they know they're there, you do. Yeah, but right. hogs don't hear very well, and they don't see very well. As long as you're on the dark half of the moon, you can walk pretty daggum close to them. If you're on the really dark side of the moon, like one of those no-moon nights, and it's a little overcast, um, I'll slip my Crocs off and go just Indian through the peanuts. It's going to be real quiet. I've gotten close enough to him where I've shot him with my naked eye at one in the morning with a pistol. Um, <laughs> Hold on, you hunting like Crocs? Some, huh? Yeah, oh you yeah. You Crocs? <laughs> yeah. I told Steven you, Trey. Uh, picked on me real hard about that when they come down. They thought I was playing, but did I tell you, you slip these Crocs off, and we got this white sand down here. I can sneak up on you. I mean, it's so quiet that way. You can get right up on them pigs. Wild. As long as they don't smell that, they've got a phenomenal nose. Um, they've got a nose way better than deer or coyotes. That's really the only thing they have going for them. Um, on a bright night, they can – I've had them pick me off 150 yards or so on a bright night where people claim they can't see that far, but that's the only reason those hogs took off ramp running. I mean, 150 yards downwind of them, didn't crack anything. Somebody had to have looked up and seen me, but – for the most part, they don't see very well. They don't hear very well. And if you can stay downwind of them and not click anything together like tripods or something like that, you can get – I can get you closer to them than most people want to be to them. Right. So I, I got to ask, with that many animals in general dropping, you must have one hell of an ammo bill. You, you got a bulk agreement or something? I have sponsor in the world. <laughs> uh, I'm affiliated with Night Ops as well, which is a predator specialized um, ammunition company. Um, gotcha. We specialize um, Heath Porter, uh, who has Night Ops. He's down in the Florida Panhandle. Um, I've been with them for five years now. They're they're the best. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still spend a lot of money on ammo, but. I got Heath tomorrow said, hey, I need 522 Nosler ammo tomorrow. I mean, I've done this. It's a four-hour drive for me. Heath has met me in the middle multiple times. Um, they make the best ammo there is. It's commercial ammo that's hand-loaded, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, it's not mass-produced like Hornady. I mean, yeah, we sell a lot of ammo, but we're, never, we're not that big. Or Heath, Heath's not that big. 
Um, but we've got a lot of the common rounds, 223, 300 blackout, 308, 65. 243 is real hot. Uh, then we have Grendel, uh, 6.5 Grendel. We got 22 Nosler, um, which 22 Nosler is what I run exclusively on hogs and coyotes. Um, they're the best, man. I mean, like I said, you call Heath Porter, shoot him a message on Facebook at Night Ops on uh, Facebook. Um, let him split. He'll get back to you. He'll get your ammo in as long as we have it now. With all the craziness going on with COVID right now, um, <laughs> we're having a hard time getting primers and powder. Brass is still accessible, but the bang parts are hard to find sometimes. Right. Yeah. Uh, everybody's going crazy right now, man. I mean, there's, and I don't blame them. I mean, everybody, you need to go crazy right now, I guess, but there ain't <laughs> you, no know, you got to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah, exactly. If you're prepping now, you're, you're a day late and dollar short. Yep. Exactly. I mean, you, you'll have enough to put up a hell of a start and that'll be about it. Yep. That's uh, a good way to put it. <laughs> but yes, to answer your question, we shoot a lot of animals and we shoot a lot a lot a lot of ammunition last spring during planting season i had a it wasn't a five gallon bucket but it was a three gallon bucket slap full of 300 blackout 110 grain v-maxes i shot them in six weeks and that wasn't shooting at targets that wasn't shooting at trees that was shooting every one of those bullets at an animal so yeah it sounds like a, a good way to spend six weeks in a three gallon bucket of ammo Accuracy by volume is my theory. Indeed. So it's a good time, man. If you ever want to play Army Ranger at night with night vision nods and thermal scopes and suppressed ARs and shoot as much as you can possibly shoot, hog hunting is the only way to legally do it. <laughs> it's a black man. Liable to have flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. That's good bad. good ones. Yeah. So why do you why do you hunt with the the twenty two nosler? Like what is what is? So if I was exclusively shooting pigs, like there most people that hunt down here do exclusively shoot pigs, I would run a three hundred eight or I would run a three hundred blackout and do everything I needed to do. But a coyote hunt is my niche. I shoot hogs because I have to shoot hogs to keep my land access um, for my coyotes. But twenty two nosler. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's essentially, it's like if a 22-250 and a 223 had a baby. Um, it's a 22 caliber bullet, just like the 223 and just like the 22-250. It's not quite as much. It's not a long, like a big case like the 250 is. Um, but it's a bulked up 223 that out of a 24 inch barrel, you can legitimately get it 3,500, 3,600 foot per second out of commercial loads, shooting a 60 to 70 grain pill. And while if you hold it, the 223 side by side, they don't look very different at all. Um, that 22 Nosler, like the 223, I mean, like, eh, yeah, it kills shit. But you hit something with that 22 Nosler, and it's like you just went out with a little bit of slugger and cracked it. Right. I mean, it just absolutely folds a coyote. Um, and people laugh and talk about a coyote's 30-pound animal. A big one's 40. Why do you need a centerfire rifle to kill him? Because I have had them run slap-ass off with a 130-gram bullet in them. 
broke both shoulders, never find them. Um, they are tough to be the small as they are. I want something that when I pull the trigger, we shoot a lot 450. I mean, 450 and in, that's wheelhouse, um, even at night. And um, at 450, I don't have to question if, if I do my part, that bullet's going to kill the shit out of him. And as long as I can hold it where it needs to, he ain't going to move that nozzle hits him. And that's my answer to why I shoot a nozzle. It's just like hitting him with a hammer. Yeah, I bet you uh, just a p- bunch of people probably want to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, as far it's become like, very popular around the last couple of years. I was super skeptical about it. I had to have a 30 caliber bullet was my mind. That was just what the real big wigs coyote hunting just right. really had to have 30 caliber bullet. And um, yeah, I mean, 30 caliber kills the hell out of them. But I can shoot. If my gun was fully loaded on contest night, um, thermal, battery pack, mag, um, if I had a suppressor, whole gun would be 11 pounds. Or I'm going to grab a 243 AR-10 that's 10 pounds naked. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I can get the gun that kills him just as absolutely dead at 11 pounds, fully loaded, ready to go, or I can bump that gun to 15, 16, 17 pounds and do the same thing. I'd rather. I gun. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you there. Especially running the 30-something sets. Right. I mean, it's truly not a lot of actual carrying the gun around, but, man, and also the AR-10 cost versus the AR-15 cost is substantially different. I mean, I could build my gun, hypothetically, because I know my wife is listening, hypothetically, I could build my (laughs) rifle for (laughs) – if I didn't have great breaks, eighteen hundred bucks, give or take, um, versus you get in that AR ten, you're at twenty eight hundred, thirty five hundred, real friggin' easy, right? To get a nice custom built gun, and that's not even going overboard. That's just like run of the mill gun maker. So, so you do you build a lot of these guns yourself? No, I'm, I, I haven't built anything in a long time. Um, I mean, I say building. I've put a few ARs together with parts I've ordered. Um, but no, I've, I've, my last gun I bought from somebody, I don't have anything that I had built. And none of my contest guns I had built. Um, I bought them from somebody else. I could, my partner Chris just built his and it's freaking sweet. Um, but he, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I always just found rifles and had to have it then when I had them. And so what are you running for barrels on them? Like you were saying a big... Um, we, we run exclusively. They're not a high dollar barrel by any means. Um, when our contest guns were all set up with um, Odin Works 18 inch, one to eight twist, 22 nozzlers. Um, a lot of people that shoot that nozzler swear you've got to get 22 to 24 inch barrel to get the potential out of the speed. Uh, I saw those bullets splashed a lot when I was shooting those long barrels. And what I mean by splash is they made a hell of an entrance wound. And they didn't get in because they're going so fast that bullet would fragment when it hit anything solid. Um, that eight ten inch barrel just worked out perfect for us. And again, it cut another half a pound of weight off. Right. So Odin works. If you were to go, let's say you went to the store today, bought a five hundred dollar AR, you wanted to turn it into a twenty two nozzler for four hundred and eighty dollars from Odin Works, you could get a barrel, um, new bolt carrier, and um, uh, adjustable gas block. Four hundred eighty bucks. You could turn you're running the mill AR into two coyote kill 22 nozzler. 
All right, I'm on it. Yeah, I was going to say, there's your, uh, your idea. We were talking while we were up there about it. There sounds like a fun project. I got a couple, I got a couple of lowers and stuff I've been building. So I've been buying a bunch of them because obviously with everything going on, you know, a little late to the party. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll build some cool guns to hunt with. Yeah, for sure. You know, you got the two, two, three, the five, five, six, but I'm liking this 22 nozzle. That's why I'm asking so many questions about it. It's a badass round. Um, You're not going to find them at Walmart. They're, you, there's actually quite a bit of options for them online, MO-wise, um, besides Night Ops. Um, uh, Hornady makes some stuff. Dogtown makes some stuff. There's a lot of – and you can buy Dogtown pretty cheap by the bucket. It's just a mass-produced uh, MO. It's not as cheap to shoot as 5.56, but it's still not expensive. It's not a dollar a shell kind of gun. Like you get into like your 308s or even a 243, that's a dollar every time you pull the trigger, at least. Well, that's our five five six right now. Is about a buck a piece up here with everything uh, going yeah, I on. I say that. <laughs> I haven't looked at ammo prices in so long now. I don't know what it would be, but normally they're reasonable to shoot. Yeah, that's it's it's gone through the absolute roof with everything going on. I mean, AR, I would imagine it's, it's stupid. Like it's not even. I mean, what was say forty five forty five cents a piece now is probably double that. Yeah, it's and I, I did see some. Five five six stuff a while back. I used to buy those green tips for a couple hundred bucks for pounds of them. I don't remember what the count was. A whole damn bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And I saw the day somebody had like a thousand of them and on like a thousand bucks for two two three. And I was like, holy shit! Yeah, that's it's just full cool metal jack. Yep, that's not even good that's stuff. Not- <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy, man. It, it, but hey, us hunters, we we kind of prep through this. We have plenty of ammunition for all. Of... <laughs> I lost everything I had in boating accident. So but explain. At one point, I was, but all of my stuff, I lost in a boating accident. Everything. Everything. I want to hear about this. <laughs> all the ammo, all the boats. I was in the river one night, and about the time that all this craziness started, and the boat sank, and I don't have any guns anymore, or any ammo, or anything. <laughs> It all sank. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Yep. I can't believe you haven't heard that one before. No. no. <laughs> I got a buddy that tells everybody he goes into a gas station that. <laughs> yeah, Trev, rolling. Yeah, I, that's where all mine is, too. Like no. a terrible boating accident, right? Why did you have all those guns on the boat at once? That's what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, what are you doing, Ryan? Like, where is this going? <laughs> what are you but trying man, to like, escape, Georgia? Push lights involved. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so the way I understand it is, um, you're pretty good at more than just predators and pigs. I hear you. Uh, put the smacking on some pretty good deer as well i don't kill as many big deer as i fantasize about killing um <laughs> don't we all <laughs> i've got two right now dude that i'm literally 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 losing sleep over um like i was up at three o'clock this morning going over game plans in my head for shit that's not even relatively close to happening yet oh because my cell camera popped off at 11 o'clock last night and showed me some biggins <laughs> the kinds uh, that give you nightmares 
Oh my god, yeah. One of them is he's the ghost in the darkness. I've got pictures of him for quite some time now, a couple of years back. Um, big, big, big brow tine deer. Um, big deer. I have never seen him alive. Um, never. Uh, my wife's one day last year, she shot her second deer and tagged out. Um, five minutes later, he comes just bullying everybody out of the food plot. Um, and then I sent her to a stand, I guess about a week before that, I sent her to a stand last year. Um, she was supposed to be there. I told her, he'd showed up like three days in a row and I was working and could not get out, but he'd showed up like 4.45 to 5, three days in a row after the rut. Um, it's January, there's, and it's getting late. And buddy's hungry at this point. I said, you got to be there by four at latest. Like, she can't sit there much longer than that without action before she starts going crazy. So you got to be there by four. Well, she stopped and got snacks or something. Uh, this is on the 2nd of January, actually. It's the day after New Year's. And as she's supposed to be in stand, cell phone camera popped off. There he is, standing in front of the camera at 4 or 4 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Pop, goes off again 30 seconds later. I get 15 minutes worth this deer popping my phone. And I'm like, why in the hell has she not shot him yet? I text her. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I just left. It's like 4.30 this morning. I just left the store. I'm headed out there. I'm like, shit. Don't go in there now. He's standing in the food plot. Well, he bobs up there. And you see 10 minutes later, you see the deer turn in the picture and look. And the next picture, he's not standing there anymore. Yep. So he's he has showed up really, really, really religiously the last two weeks on a camera, but he's from like eleven o'clock to three thirty right now. Um I mean just I have he's not even remotely close to getting killed yet. But right. of course he popped off on my phone last night and sent me well this year there last year at this time he was over here and I'm gonna kill his ass over there this year and He's making me lose sleep. He's got a partner with him I've never seen before. That's he's big. Um, Trev, I've sent you these pictures, haven't I? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I've seen these. The two of them together. I shouldn't be saying this. The two of them together are gonna be real freaking close to 300 inches of horn, like as a duo. Jeez. And this is South Georgia. The brow tine deer, if he's not 150, I'll kiss your ass. Um, and I think he's better than that. I just don't want to go there. I hear you. And then he's got a, a partner with him that's a mainframe nine point that, golly, he's 145. And I'm in South Georgia. I don't know where these bastards have been transplanted from, why they're here, but <laughs> they make me lose sleep. Um, I love the deer hunt. I've killed some pretty good deer. Uh, I've got a 143. It's the biggest deer I've killed to date. Um, but I've never deer hunted anywhere outside of here. So they're pretty solid deer for down here. Those are giants for Georgia. Oh, yeah. We're getting bigger and bigger deer every year down here. Um, I think that as much as people want to bitch about hunting TV and deer hunting TV and how lame it is, I think they finally pound it into people's head that if you will let these deer walk, they're you can rare. grow a big deer pretty much anywhere if you treat him right and give him enough. Help. A five-year-old 
in South Georgia, it's not a five-year-old in Iowa. I don't care. I mean, there's always going to be a genetic difference there. But a five-year-old right. anywhere north of Florida is going to be a solid-ass deer. And if you can just let them get there, and I think people finally are. I think it's finally starting to click with people that they're letting deer get past three and a half. Because at three and a half, they do start to look pretty, pretty tempting. I mean, especially if he's framing an eight or a ten at three and a half. He's hard for a lot of people not to shoot. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody. Oh, yeah. I had a, at one point, I had a barn full of three-and-a-half-year-olds, and I beat my chest. And wow, I looked at him one day, I was like, damn, every one of those probably would have got Pope and Young if you'd have just let them go. <laughs> yep. But I do like the deer hunt. Yeah, to answer that question in a long way, I do like the deer hunt. So what is it what – is, what, is, what is South Georgia deer hunting – like – Cause obviously it's not up here, dude. It's a hundred degrees there right now. You're yes. about to start hunting Shorts, on Saturday. Crops, wife beaters. No, it's Crocs, bro. It's Crocs. <laughs> Crocs. My bad. Oh, Crocs to the deer stand. That's not <laughs> true. If 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 I'm in a ground blind, I'll definitely wear shorts and Crocs. Wow. Um, but so deer hunting in South Georgia, we have a tremendously long deer season down here. Um, our bow season starts. It used to start the first Saturday of. of September and run to like mid January. Um, but they bumped it back now. Uh, it's on the 12th of Saturday or the 12th of September this year, which is going to be close to our deer getting out of velvet last night. They're still in, but the little ones are starting to rub. Um, but we start uh, hypothetically, you could start bow hunting the 12th of September. We have a 12 deer limit per person for some godly reason. Um, we can kill 10 does and two bucks. Now, one of those has to be um, a rag deer um, of either four points on one side or 15 inches wide. Um, the other buck can be whatever you want to shoot. But we can shoot 10 does. We run from September 12th to, I think, this year's January 16th. Um, go ahead. No, and you were saying before with the rut, like your rut is in January? My rut – the county that I live in is no sooner than mid-December. You might find one here and there where she's ready. The real rut is is Christmas around, like, my property. Um, I know some really, really, really good old-time deer hunters that swear these deer don't fully get blown into until about third week in January. Um, I've seen deer – I've been a quail guide my whole life, which keeps me in the woods 150 days a year. Um, but I've seen deer being the beginning of March, either locked down with does or still bumping does. Crazy. Um, our deer, I had pictures of hardhorn deer into April last year. So, I mean, that shows you how late our rut goes. We don't even normally start shed hunting until the end of March. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you think about it, though. That's the only time of year that it's. I'm not going to say cold, but I'm going to say cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh. and I don't know. I've done quite a bit of deer hunting in my life. I've never got to see any of that really cool stuff. Um, chasing and really honestly, by the time January's around, I'm still over deer hunting and that's when they're starting to get going. But hell, I've been going for three months at that point. I'm mentally over it, but I've never got to see much chasing, fighting. I'm not 100% sure I've ever heard a deer vocalize ever. Um, I might have heard a grunt one time 
that might have been the beans from the night before too, though. Um, <laughs> but no, it's a lot different down here. Um, like this particular area that I hunt in is, like I said, it's all these big ass fields with little bitty corners of woods. Um, we had the hurricane, Hurricane Michael, in 2018. It hit October 9th, 2018. When it crossed the state line, it was still. I went to come over to my house. It was still a high category three hurricane 100 miles inland when it hit it was category five um so we lost 80 percent of our timber up here um and i don't mean just like 80 percent in a mile i mean like 80 percent over 50 miles Jeez. so there's nothing left um so it's really really it's very different deer hunting 99 percent of people down here deer hunt they have a piece of land they own or they lease. They have a box stand on every corner of the property, one slap dab in the middle. They're all over food plots. They're all over corn piles. And that's how they deer hunt, which is great and dandy. It's a good way to kill a lot of deer and introduce people into it. Um, but it's not how I like to deer hunt. I like to get in the woods. And we don't have the hardwoods down here y'all have. We don't have the big draws. Um, we're only like 200 foot above sea level. And... I mean, the highest point in the county is only like 250 foot, so there's not much contour. Right. Um, so it's different deer hunting than what most of the country is. Um, but there's a lot of deer hunting down here. Every friggin' buddy in the world deer hunts down here. Which I think that's everywhere. I think deer hunting is big everywhere. It, yeah, it's like in different levels. You know, like the, yeah. the guy that, you know, is that – guy's been hunting with his grandfather for a million years that's where he started and he just he hunts every saturday you know and then there's the guys that that they go out a couple days a week and then there's the hardcore idiots like us that completely (laughs) have heart palpitations just thinking of whitetails our bosses are asking if we're coming to work (laughs) oh man i've got two so i'm lucky with my new job i've got a week of sick leave and a week of vacation and i ain't used a day yet <laughs> not one single day yep Bank so, sometime between i may take the whole damn month of december off so we get vacation time too i may right. take the whole month off this year kill that brow tine deer son of a bitch <laughs> hey. how big do you think his brow tines are dude let me get a picture I'm pulled up. Uh, honestly, I was, for it. I was waiting for it. Honestly, um, 12 inches. Jeez. So I don't know how <laughs> This is one of his better pictures here. I don't know how well it's going to show. Oh, my God. Jeez. So, for, for everyone listening, not watching, Brow tines are almost as tall as the G2. Just to do that thing. This is this is the uh, terrible duo that's not letting me sleep. Yeah, I fully understand that. That's what uh, nightmares are made of. What? So uh, this this place, I've literally literally grown up my entire life hunting this property. I never owned a trail camera till like six years ago. Was not much, and I've deer hunted my whole life. I've shot some good deer. I've been lucky to where I'm a woodsman, so I've made the best out of situations. Even when I didn't know what the hell I was doing, I could figure out 
I need to be right here with a speed down parallel because I'll probably shoot something when he walks by. Um, but I never owned a camera until about six years ago. And the first year I had one camera. It's a Tasco. It didn't work worth a shit. Um, but I had probably a Pope and Young class five-year-old 10-point show up. And I was like, holy hell, where did he come from? Because we've never killed a big deer off this place. Um, never. Me and my dad, which we – we I told you my dad didn't deer hunt. He was a duck hunter. We shot the first spike or the first doe, whatever, was a poor dumb son of a bitch to get to the food plots first that evening is what died. Yep. Did not care. And, um, I mean, my dad shot three spikes one night. I'm sorry, two spikes and a doe back when I was in high school. And, I mean, he was just like freaking King Kong. Thought he was the best deer hunter. Um, but, so I didn't really have this deer hunt. And then, again, I had a couple cameras um, for shits and giggles. I'm still coyote hunting real big at this point. And I see that brown tine deer. Like, I've been running cameras, cameras for like six weeks at this point and seen some okay deer for me, like gray deer. Um, but that brown tine deer showed up as a two and a half year old, 100 inch deer. And his brown tines were about seven inches long then. I mean, they're, because I've got the shed in my house. Um, and I was like, dang, I'll shoot the shit out of him. And he was only two and a half years old. That's where I was still at my deer hunting career. Then he showed up the next year on camera, and he's three and a half, and he's poking young pretty easy. Uh, but he doesn't have any mass. Last year, he shows up at four and a half minimum, and he's blown up. And he's, he was only nine last year, but he had those brows. And then this year, I've been running cameras looking for that deer since he dropped antlers in March, um, just because I've never got velvet pictures of him. But I looked for him June, July, 25 days into August and I'm convinced some bitch is dead because he ain't stood up. I've got a dozen cameras on 200 acres. I've got every other buck in the world. And he ain't there. And then he showed up and he's turned into a freaking monster. <laughs> I still don't have, a, I cannot figure out something cool to name this deer. Uh, he's the brow time buck. He is the brow time book. <laughs> I think that's the easiest but way to put it. I showed you the deadhead that I found last week, right? Yeah, and that's so, – Go ahead. No, no, no. I couldn't believe the brow time's on it. I'm like, where the hell – and then you have this brow time book. That deer. So, I'll, let me find him to show everyone else. So, what people don't realize is my property got logged last week. It's pine plantation, and my mother owns it, and it got logged and clear-cutted. And I'm going to work one morning, and the logger pulls up. He's like, hey, man, um, I got something you need to see back here in the woods. And this is like a week and a half ago. It's like, okay, what you got? He goes, there's a big old deer back there dead. Why? He goes, I don't know. He's been there for a couple of days. He's rotten. Um, he said, I think he's a big 10-point. He's got some hellacious brow tines. And I was like, oh, shit. I had a picture <laughs> of him that like three days prior. And I'm like, holy shit, where is he? And he tells me in the woods where he is. It's like eight o'clock and I'm supposed to, I'm leaving out of my driveway to go to work. And he comes up and tells me this. At 9.15, I still haven't found this deer. I'm supposed to be at work for an hour now. But I was held, like I was that freaking worried about that brow time deer. I run back up there to the logger. I was like, you got to come find him. He drives around in the tractor for 30 more minutes looking for him. And finally found him. And I don't know what happened to this deer. 
I don't know how he died. He was already rotten to the point where his, everything was just falling apart. His velvet was peeling. But I have never, ever, ever seen this deer. Single day in my entire life. You got cameras. He died within 100 yards of a camera and 50 yards uh, from a mineral site. But I have no idea who this deer is. Good gracious. I, I found him dead last week. He's just a big eight. Um, now, his brows, Hines, his... I scored him. Um, I scored him the other day, and I didn't do it right. I went back. I scored him again yesterday, just because I had to know. Sorry, I got a bug in my eye. Um, he scored one forty-one even as an eight point. Um, his glass. His his left brow tine is twelve and three eighths, and his right brow tine is eleven and five eighths. And he's <laughs> not. He's not as big as that other deer. I don't think. Right. And the other uh, one's a ten. I don't know where he come from. His teeth look like he's six years old. Um, I mean, they're just black and as flat as they can be. I don't know where the hell that dude come from. It shows you that no matter – I mean, I'm a landlocked piece of woods with fields on three sides of me, and this deer was on the farthest side from the other wood lines he could be. I have no earthly idea how he never walked in front of a camera, ever. Uh, he's just that one deer that knows that I'm going to walk behind that tree. He had to have been, dude. I mean – the trail he was dead on, there's a camera on it. If he'd have kept coming down that trail, maybe he had a little bleeder trail off the side of it or something. But if he'd have kept coming down that trail, he'd have walked right in front of that camera. I don't know where he died. It breaks my heart. But at least it wasn't the brow time buck. Yeah, we had a buck last year that uh, we'd, he'd come out, we'd get him. The first picture would go off. The second picture, he's looking at the camera. The third picture, he's gone and never came back on that camera. But yeah. we'd put a camera 30 yards down the trail and he'd pop back up. Same thing. One picture, a picture looking, and then a picture gone. Yeah. So then we turn the camera to the opposite side of the tree and sure as shit, here he comes on the back of the tree. Really? He marks that tree and he would walk around the back of it every time. As soon as he found that camera, he was gone. Well, this he doesn't like cameras um i've got a bunch of pictures of him but 90 percent of the time he's always on the very very edge of the of the frame or yep. he's way behind that nine point he just comes up and sticks his face in it um <laughs> and you'll see 30 yards behind him that brow tie deer is back there he doesn't like him he'll he screws up and gets his, his picture taken but he doesn't like it you can tell yep. he can see that ir which yep. Coyote hunting when we use night vision, we were running our torches with us. I don't care what anybody says, they see them. Yep. They, they don't see them like they see light, but they can see that red pill or that red light in that camera. Um, and it's just enough to make them look at it. And even my deaf ass, if you'll stand by a camera, a lot of times, if you're close to it, you can hear it. And you know they can hear it. I guess it's the shutters or something, but. Yeah, there's yeah. something on some of these cameras. Maybe not all of them, but some of them, I definitely feel like I can hear something when it's when it snaps. I just so so for those that aren't on YouTube, they they won't know this, but so you just sprayed yourself with something, and what, you you having problems with black flies? Is that what's going on? They're called gnats. Um, so okay. our gnats aren't like anywhere else in the world. They don't bite. Okay, um, just annoying, and they love your eyes. I have no idea what their purpose is in life. They don't bite. 
scientists have done a bunch of studies on them. Really can't figure out what the hell they do. <laughs> but they're isolated to about a three-county area in South Georgia and North Florida. This is the only place they exist. And if you were down here right now, you'd be doing this the entire time. Um, I'm still doing it some, but there's just something we're accustomed to. But that's what that spray is there is. It works great for like 30 minutes, and when you start sweating, it wears off. And that's kind of what I did there. I ended up with one in the eye, so I had to redouse. It's kind of crazy. So you use that spray because of the gnats, right? And when I went to the Midwest in the summer, those boys, they have black fly problems. So they use the, the yeah. lemongrass. They use the lemongrass spray, like in Kansas and yeah, Iowa. And all has, this has lemongrass, citric oil, and uh, rosemary in it. Same thing. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing they yeah. use for the black for the black flies. Those black flies are terrible. Uh, I spent a lot of time when I was still flying. I spent a lot of time out there. Um, and God, those things carry you off in Iowa and uh, eastern Nebraska. They're freaking awful. Hold on, you fly? What do you fly? I was crop duster for eight years. <laughs> so you're you're an airplane pilot? I was. I'm not right now. I took a different turn for a while. Um, but yeah, from the time I was 21 to 29, I was a crop duster uh, out in the Midwest, uh, Kansas, Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Maryland. I actually did a little bit in Maryland. Damn. That's a jaunt. Yeah. Uh, Maryland was my first flying job. But yeah, um, I was, and I probably will again at some point again, go back to being a crop duster. That's pretty cool, man. That's a, that's a pretty badass job. I think we've asked a million and one people what they do for work. And that's probably the most badass one of them all. Yeah. It's the best job in the world. The only downfall I had with it, um, is obviously when you get started, you're flying million dollar airplanes, six feet off the ground at 180 miles an hour. So you've got to find somebody to give you the chance to jump in that airplane and learn. Cause I mean, yeah, you go to flight school and they teach you how to fly a couple thousand feet in the air, but truthfully your first real hands-on shit is going to be your first paid load. So you're learning by on the fly, essentially. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended there. <laughs> um, so when I got started, my first job was in South Dakota. Found a guy out there with an old airplane, worked for him for a couple of days. Um, then happened to find a really great gig. He knew of somebody in Kansas that needed some help. And he's like, I'm slow here. Go down there. Got a great gig in Kansas. Spent three or four years there. Went to Texas. Went back to Kansas. Went to Illinois. Went back to Kansas. Um, and the only only reason I'm not doing it still is I was single at that point. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a wife. Making stupid money. But I was on the road a lot. So when I did get married and I did have kids, I missed a lot. Right. Uh, I'd be lying to you. I live in agriculture country. I mean, I'm literally sitting 50 yards from peanut field. I see spray planes every day. And I'm like that little boy that lost his puppy every time one comes by. <laughs> um, but I have, I work for Terminex now um, in sales and home inspections for Terminex. And I've got a really easy job. It gives me a lot, a lot, a lot of freedom as far as time to do stuff. Um, I've got benefits. I've got insurance. I've got stability. I don't have to worry about the weather or 
crops or the market or any of that stuff. And while I took a big pay cut, I'm home every day. So I, I miss it. Gosh, damn it. I miss it. But, um, give me a take. Absolutely. Hey, you'll be back flying a plane before you know it. Uh, maybe a lot sooner than you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the wheels man, are cranking. My, my wings itch bad. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Kansas. I've got a huge um, private chunk of land in Kansas that I have never sat in a tree stand on, but I sent a buddy of mine, um, give you a little shout out, Bradley Watts, that, uh, three years ago, four years ago, somewhere in there, um, he went out and killed a 183 off this place. Um, I mean, mainframe 12, I believe, no kickers, no splits, no nothing special, 23 inches wide, 14-inch twos. I've never put a deer stand on it. I mean, it's 5,000 acres close to it of anything I want to do. I can call this guy and say, hey, man, I'll be there in three days. And it's absolutely the bed's ready for you. So I've got to go deer hunting out there. Yeah, uh, you better capitalize on that. <laughs> Kansas is a damn lottery draw, and I tell myself every winter I've got to do it, and then it comes around. Yep. Freaking June happens, and I miss it, and oh, I'm terrible about it. But I've got the deer bug so bad again now that I'm, I'm going next year, hell or high water. I'm going southeast Kansas, and I'm going to kill me a damn booner. We can't Don't wait. blame you. <laughs> yeah. We want to hear about it. <laughs> There's some big ones there. We used to do a bunch of duck hunting out there, and I've seen when I didn't give a damn about deer, I've seen some absolute giants. When I got I drag a 201 out, and then we drug another mid 180s out. Um, and these are guys shooting my public land while we're duck hunting. Um, I mean, absolute freaking monsters. Well, I guess Stephen, we get to put in for Kansas, and then yeah, well, he tell us where to go public. See, and I'm in the same boat because I've got Ken in Kansas. <laughs> And I've still never yeah. done it. I'll say this. I spent so much time out there duck hunting and turkey hunting that even if you don't have private land access in Kansas, their walk-in hunting area uh, system that they have is so ridiculously stupid, easy to use. And it's private land. It may not be the same track two years in a row. Like you may only get one year with, on this track, but it's private land that the state of Kansas rents from the landowners to allow walk-in hunting on. And like I said, they don't always up the contract every year with the same parcel, so it might be something new. I've got a place of turkey hunting. I've killed turkeys off of every year I've been to it for five years. Um, and it's just an 80-acre public track of land. I'm pretty convinced I can kill a turkey there every day I hunt it. It's just that daggum good. Um, and it's public. I mean, I would have, knowing what I know about Kansas, I would have zero issues at all loading up in the truck and going and go hunting public land and fully expecting to kill, maybe not a 200, but fully expecting to kill the biggest damn buck 99% of people are ever going to see. Um, I mean, there's so much good land out there and the hunting is so fuck from us from the East. You can hunt everything. It seems like everything the Midwest has so and the West has so many public hunting opportunities. It's ridiculous. Coming from down here, I got to pay for anything I want to hunt down here except for coyotes. Now, coyotes right. and hogs are free, but I've either got to marry somebody's 
ugly daughter that didn't get a man, or I got to buy some <laughs> land if I want to get on something good down here. Was she two parcels or three yeah. parcels? <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> That's the best part. He gets it. We, we, uh, for those that don't, we kind of joke about that. So when we were traveling to the, uh, where were we? We're going to the deer we're, class. We were coming right? back from the shoot. Oh, we we're coming back from the shoot. And a bunch of the boys were in the truck and uh, we were joking around and we we're like, eh, she's worth about two parcels, maybe even three, depending on <laughs> how good like, she was, you know, that's as how it goes up. Her. So does the land value. Yep, Exactly. If she's, yeah. you know, Hey, I'll date her for three parcels, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they'd have to have a lot of turkeys on. Come on, yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, I mean, dude, you're wicked passionate about the outdoors, probably more than most, but so what drives you outdoors? What, you know, we always ask everybody. I asked my wife before I left, so this is going to be the hardest part of this because everything <laughs> drives me outdoors, man. Um, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know one specific thing. The outdoors drives me for the outdoors. The peace, the quiet, the obsession that I get from – Try and figure out how to kill a dumb ass goat that lives in the woods that walks in a circle every day. The obsession I get with trying to figure out how to kill that deer, kill that turkey, everything drives me outdoors. Um, I don't have a choice. It's ingrained in me. It It's hard. I Shit, I go to the city. I'm looking out the window at that three acre track of woods right there. I bet there's deer. Um, <laughs> the outdoors drives me outdoors. I love it. That that's pretty well, simple enough. Good way to say it. So hey, I, I've, I've truly I've been like stressing that question for a week because I knew it was coming. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a single answer for that. Like a one specific. This is what drives me outdoors. It seems like you, you you go across the whole spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Like you're across the whole entire spectrum. I, I've as been far very as like, very blessed. I've done a little bit of everything and I'm a perfectionist to where when I start a hobby, I've got to be as good as you can get at it. As good as I can get at it. Um, there's people better than me at coyote hunting. There's better than me at deer hunting. A lot better than me at deer hunting. Um, better at blowing duck calls than I am. But I try to be the best I can physically possibly be. Um, at any little niche I get. Like the coyote hunting went from this is the dumbest thing in the world to I won the biggest contest in the entire country three years after I started doing it. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, easy way to put it. I, <laughs> I mean, you're technically the first person we can say, actually you get a fly outdoors. So, yeah, you know, you you, that works out good too. I've got a lot of scouting done that way. I met a lot of neat people that way. That's what I was getting um, at. Because I don't think Kansas still has the same laws like Alaska where you can't hunt the same day you fly. No, but a, but Louisiana has a law. Um, and I know some guys got hemmed up over it, some pilot <laughs> friends. You cannot scout with an airplane, not for deer. Um, and I, this has been 10 years ago, but I know some guys that may or may not have found a couple legitimate real deal boomers on uh, some land with an airplane and then went back and walked up on them in the bed and shot them. And Louisiana has a law specifically against that. Yeah. I mean, it it comes down, I guess you got to know the rules and regs. 
If you can do it, great. Nobody, don't, don't. They were bragging far about it, and somebody overheard it and turned them in. I it's mean, it's team. something that I actually even knew was a real law. Yeah. But, and if that been Joe Blow, Basket Rack 8, wouldn't matter. These were two legitimate Boone class deer they killed, or Boone and Crockett class deer they killed. Right. So, yeah, you just never know. Yeah. So I know, I know you got an MFK mouth call sitting on that table right there. I do. Can you just leave us with one howl or a segment? Because it's been killing me this whole entire podcast. Like, I, I got to hear it. Yeah. So this is going to be like a wimpy howl. I don't have my amp horn that really um, – And that was my I, next question. What? You, 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 you always run a horn with it? I don't always – honestly, more times than not, I don't um, because I've lost so damn many of them. keeps making me horns. And I keep losing them because they fall out of my pocket and shit. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds tremendously better with a horn. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, it it gets a lot more real with a horn. But yeah, this is um, this is an MFK two read compiler. Um, this is MFK's bread and butter diaphragm. Um, you can do everything you need to do on this. Let's see, if we can't figure out how. That would just be what I consider more of like a female lone how. But if I had, um, let me try one more here. And this is the Howlin' Mofo. Um, if anybody wants to go start doing this, this is the call to get. This is your training wheels. It'll run with the best of them, but it's the easiest running soft latex. Anybody, if you've used any sort of diaphragm call for turkeys or elk, you can put this in your mouth and make it sound like a coyote. And it's called MFK Howlin' Mofo. That'll do it. That's the power of MFK. That'll kill any cow you need to kill. I love it, man. So before we wrap this thing up, real quick, tell everybody where they can find you and uh, how they can go about getting in touch with you, pick your brain or not your choice. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, Ryan Higgins on Facebook. Um, I believe I haven't changed it. My Instagram name is uh, that coyote guy 08. Um, I may have changed that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, you can also go on mfkgamecalls.com to get any of our products. Um, the links to most of our contacts on there. Um, buy any sound pack or anything you want to on there. If you need to get a hold of Tory Cook or Jason Gross Close or Dave Stucks, or me, Colt Minton, Sterling Justice, any of us. That page, one way or another, will take you to us. Um, and that's mfkgamecalls.com. Um, we got diaphragms. We're partnered with Fox Pro. I know that people that don't even coyote hunt know what a Fox Pro is. Everybody knows what a Fox Pro is. Um, we are partnered exclusively with Fox Pro. Our sounds only run on a Fox Pro. Um, and we've done it that way for a reason. They make the absolute best caller on the market. We make the absolute best sounds on the market. So we made a baby, and we had the best of the best. Um, like, like I said... Feel free to hit me up on any of my social media platforms. Ask me anything you need to ask me. 99% of the time I get back with you. Um, 
there's not anything that somebody hasn't asked me. So any question you have will be all right with me. <laughs> and, and, and your guide service, man, how do they get a hold of you for that stuff? That's kind of a weird thing right now. We're on the verge of possibly shutting that down. Um, but it's on Facebook. It's Sawiga Predator Adventures. That stands for Southwest Georgia. Sawiga is S-O-W-E-G-A Predator Adventures. And that's on Facebook. Um, it's the business page. Um, we're, me and Chris both are just so busy with life right now. Um, and with the COVID canceling most of our hunts this year, um, your buddies from Connecticut, uh, Steve and Maddie, they're still supposed to come, but we haven't been able to get down. Um, but like I said, shoot me a message if you want to book a hunt. Worst thing to say is no, still kind of on the verge of we're going to book anymore or not. Um, but we do fully guided hog hunts, fully guided coyote hunts, um, all at night, thermal. We do, we specify in bobcats during bobcat season. You will not kill a bigger bobcat in the eastern part of the country at night on purpose than you will with me. That's that's a fact. We have a bunch of them. We have some daggone big ones down here. Hell yeah. We'll keep that in mind. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm on my way. December 1st through <laughs> the end of February, bobcat season. Um, and now if you want to come down to kill one and take him back wherever you go, you got to get a site tag from DNR, which isn't a big deal. We can get it. But we have some freaking hammers down here, Bobcats. Like, I didn't realize Bobcats got as big as they did until we started killing some, like, 28, 29, 30 pounds. That's a freaking toad of a cat. Yeah. Kid killers. Yeah. Well, awesome. Greatly appreciate it. And, uh, I mean, Ryan, you've kind of taken us all over the map on this one. It's been freaking awesome. Some really good information, and I'm sure there are some people out there that are laughing and scratching their brains and taking notes all at the same oh, time completely. one of one of the options for sure guys i appreciate y'all having me it's been a blast uh trev thanks for getting up with me um hope you have me again i'm hoping that we can do this in about november i'm going to tell you the exact story on how the brown tine and the big nine died both with archery this year well so. <laughs> i think we'll definitely uh pencil that one in i look forward to Finally, now I was going to say earlier before I cut us off that the trick to killing that buck apparently is when you decide to tell your wife to go somewhere, you go instead. Yeah, absolutely. She's going to hear this going punch me in the arm tonight. But I still, <laughs> yeah. It seems to work. So when you get yeah. that in to say, "Hun, go over there," go, "Hun, I'm going over there." <laughs> exactly. Uh, We've already had that discussion here. That. He walks um, out, kill him, but gloves are off now. There you go. Fair enough. Well, thanks again for your time. It's been a hell of a good ride. And uh, for everybody out there listening, we want to thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Mm -hmm.